to episode six of the Panic Pod. Uh, this episode is entitled "Avoidance." Uh, what have you avoided recently, Ellen? Oh, geez, avoidance is my middle name. You have no idea how stoked I am for this episode when you said the title. Um, yeah, what have I been avoiding recently? Ooh, I don't know. I was supposed to send an email out to about like 12 different venues today about a gig and like haven't done that yet. So um, yeah, Josh, you've got a great person to talk to about avoidance today. This is fabulous. Oh, great. Oh, that's that, that's that's good. Um, and it's, it's interesting because... We'll explore what avoidance is and how it relates to anxiety. Um, and we'll look at it uh, briefly, um, because you could talk all from morning till noon um, about mm. avoidance, and then we'll have many people avoiding the podcast, because there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot to talk about and what for one subject. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll look at it in the context of uh, panic. So last episode was about panic attacks, so we'll look at that. We'll look at it in terms, in the context of social anxiety. And I think we'll also look at it in the context of procrastination. Because, to be honest, I'm not really sure about procrastination. It would be nice to have a, have a chat about it. Um, there's many reasons for avoidance, but we'll just kind of use, uh, uh, treat this as a rudimentary guide today. Uh, and I'll share what I know, and you can share what you know. And then we will synthesize our knowledge to comp- to conduct absolutely nothing of any use so yeah we'll do that (laughs) synthesize our knowledge into perfect harmony talking about avoidance i like how you say like what you know about avoidance i think you're going to find it's what i've experienced about avoidance i don't think i really know much but i can certainly attest to a lot of avoidance that's happened get into an ontological argument if you want to but let's just assume that it is fact yeah let's not do that you know (laughs) there might be a few clever people listening like oh what was your epistemological stance on what you think? It just shut up. Like what we're gonna do <laughs> is we're gonna is we're gonna look at what what, what we know because I think um, knowledge is valuable uh, from mm-hmm. a, from any perspective. Okay, cool. You uh, <laughs> you seem to laugh when I said to you before about um, the 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 title episode. What, 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 when we say avoidance, what does it mean for you? It's really interesting because reflecting on um the things that actually make me anxious um i was talking to my bandmate today and i was saying how stages no problem for me talking to new people not much of an issue networking i don't really have social anxiety used to be a thing for me not really a thing for me word documents oh oh boy geez (laughs) that is what brings me anxiety and i think that there's for me there's so much about like it was a real challenge for me doing a ton of essays in university going it doesn't exist until you've put it down on paper and avoidance for me was like kind of like combined with overthinking a bit I think as well it was Mm. sort of like if I'm thinking about it I'm kind of doing the work and then Mm. you realize no that's just going around in circles in your own head not not approaching the thing that you're approaching and I'm really interested in talking about this day because we also just last last episode or two episodes talked about exposure therapy as well. Mm. And that's since we recorded that, man, like I've really thought about that even more as well when it's come to um, if you're if I'm scared to open that Word document, the best way to go around it is just to do it as much as possible or work my way up to it. So maybe Mm. if it's like if it's sitting looking at the whole document that's 
giving me anxiety, then maybe the step back is get a blank piece of paper and sketch out some ideas on a mind map, right? Like that would be my equivalent of the latter and mm. the, the one step back of exposure that we talked about. So yeah, avoidance for me is like, it's, it's pretty real because it's so different. Like if you're avoiding getting on stage before a gig, that's quite obvious, right? Mm. You might avoid planning a gig because you're anxious about it. Mm. But I think it's, it's a whole other thing that I don't, I don't talk about it with people because I, I either think, oh, this is something that kind of everybody experiences or it's super irrational to be like scared of a word document. Mm. <laughs> but that is for me way more often where I'm actually experiencing anxiety because it's no one's actually there to to push you out on stage or to do the thing. It's kind of under your own control a bit more. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but that's me. Yeah, but it's really interesting. And, and apolog- I apologize for laughing really because, you know, there was something oh, that's good. Fine. But actually what you're saying there is... I have a fear response when I look at the Word document. So so Mm -hmm. I I like the process of thinking about these things. But when it comes to actually doing it, I look Mm -hmm. at maybe the the Microsoft Word symbol and I have a fear response, Mm -hmm. Um, which ties in perfectly because why do most people avoid? Do they avoid because there's actually danger or do they avoid because they're afraid of how they'll feel Mm. so it depends how you conceptualize it you might go some people might go oh i don't want to open up microsoft word and write something because i can't be that bothered or some people actually no i feel fear putting these putting these ideas down um and that Mm. is, is the very same process for anyone really uh as someone who's had panic disorder in the past you know, questioning why you avoid things and, and questioning the, the facts, um, which we, we can look at. Really, now, do you still kind of struggle with putting stuff down now? I know you're always very busy and very productive, but, but well, yeah. Like I just I'm able to acknowledge that 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 is um, it's. I mean, and, and like we say, it's just good to acknowledge what is the cause of this anxiety or when there's anxiety as opposed to just denying that it's happening whatsoever and so comparing it to other parts of my life where you know i yeah i am in a lot of what some people might say like adrenaline inducing situations like yeah that what i say about networking being this whole other level of socializing it's not just about like oh i'm meeting some people at a party and there's not really any risks involved but it's like oh i've got to network because i've got to meet these people or going up on stage like those things don't really create that much anxiety for me but it's something about how for me when you say uh yeah what will be the type of fear that someone's experiencing like i just can't be bothered to open this word word document or um i'm scared of how i'll feel i think that there's a lot tied in there with um, writers maybe, or um, uh, for me, it's been more like applications and uh, filling out Mm. uh, like project documents that other people are gonna, other people are gonna see, I think is a big part of it. Other people are gonna see me not in my most comfortable form of communication. I think that I'm actually better (laughs) communicating Uh what I mean face to face than on paper. Maybe it's reverse for some people. Um, But for me, it's like, I feel like I'm worried about 
how I'll come across on paper. So when the anxiety is coming from um, not doing it right, like doing it, writing something, it not coming out the way that I want to, but then I've spent like two hours putting the work in to do that and all of it's kind of a waste is sort of the, the where the anxiety comes from of like, oh yeah, I've just put all of this work in, I've just done the thing that I was supposed to do and yet it's still not gonna be any good. Which is a bit silly because like the more you do it, the better you get and that's exposure rational line exposure therapy yeah that would be that would be the results of the exposure therapy but my amygdala is going you shouldn't even bother you know you're not a good writer you know it's not gonna be any good so that's kind of like the initial response well that, that ties into karma's kind of an esteem thing though isn't it it sounds like you feel vulnerable yeah confident in the sense that actually no face to face i've got this but when it's putting the stuff on paper that makes me feel vulnerable and mm. I don't want to feel vulnerable. So the easier choice mm -hmm. to make is to maybe not write stuff down. Mm -hmm. It's understandable. And I find that so funny just how for some people it's the complete opposite, right? Like I know people that <laughs> I've dated people who like, you know, they're, they're so much more comfortable expressing their feelings and processing their feelings if they could write me a letter, right? Mm. You know, some people are like that where it's like, if I have some time to myself to be more careful with this, to word this how I want to, and to not be in front of you, that makes me more comfortable. So yeah, it's interesting how some people have it that way. I've got it the flipped way where mm. I feel more comfortable just face to face with someone. I did not know that about you. It's interesting what happens when you sit in front of a microphone, isn't it? I yeah. not that by oh wow and it is, yeah, it is so, it, but it doesn't matter your fear mm -hmm. is your fear and and mm -hmm. your amygdala like you said can fixate on anything i think it's really mm -hmm. interesting how you how you we just summarized it as it's a feeling of of being vulnerable I'm a, I'm, it doesn't matter what the cause is but basically we avoid i think mm -hmm. And particularly when you're looking at it for people with diagnoses with anxiety, um, we avoid because we're afraid to feel vulnerable sometimes. Um, so mm -hmm. if you take someone with panic disorder, something that I've had, um, and agoraphobia, in fact, we can use agoraphobia, um, mm. people avoid going out to places. They avoid because the amygdala says it's dangerous. And so we do it to avoid feeling rubbish, mm. you know, and there's various voices actually to do with that, that's going on in our minds when we do this, but we will probably focus on, on, a, on a future episode, which you'll really um, enjoy, I think as well, because I like doing it in the practice with my clients. But at the moment, it's nice to just have a kind of rudimentary understanding of, of avoidance before you jump into mm -hmm. all that. Otherwise it just becomes all convoluted and, 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 and strange. Um, mm. so yeah it's just nice to, I avoid because I'm afraid to feel vulnerable so what I do with a lot of my clients and particularly when I was agoraphobic is that I had to change my perspective of it's okay to feel vulnerable and it's okay to mm. feel panic so when I first left the house and I was feeling panicky I even thinking about it made me feel uncomfortable opening the door and using exposure, what we were talking about, uh, using exposure at my front door. Hey, everyone, I'm naked. Um, yeah, no, that's, that would go to prison. Um, but, but even like, uh, it must have been even just taking that first step, it was like going to get the mail and just taking taking a look down the street, like that could be one degree, right? Definitely. And actually, 
going to the supermarket, so Asda mm. in this country, and it's Walmart, mm. probably on that side of the of, of the pod. Um, going there shopping to do the first exposure and mm. and feeling vulnerable and not listening to my avoidance voice was the scariest mm. thing, one of the scariest things I've ever done. Uh, yeah yeah. it's more scary than being in front of people doing talks doing all these Mm -hmm. things no no just just doing that because that's where all Mm -hmm. the fear manifested um Mm -hmm. so we want to avoid um i wanted to introduce actually a concept in this episode called a false comfort Uh, Mm. and it's something that one my favorite therapists and authors um, writes about which is called sally winston and a friend marty seif and I think she's originally from Canada, actually. Hmm. But she lives in Baltimore now. I'm going to tr- see if I can get her to jump on the podcast at once. But she's a bit We'll of cross a... our fingers. Yeah. Yeah, we'll cross our fingers. If not, we'll just get you to impersonate her. Who's going to know? You know, like, here we have Sally Winston. Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she's endorsing. I'll work on my Baltimore accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and she introduces this co- this concept of, of, of false comfort. So imagine you've got two voices. You've got a worried voice, and that begins every sentence with what if. Mm-hmm. What if I freak out when I'm in the supermarket? If you're mm-hmm. socially anxious, what if these people are judging me? And we covered this in episode one, but think of all the what ifs in your life. Now, what do you do to make yourself feel comfortable? Now, sometimes you do what's easy and not what's right. And so what mm-hmm. happens is we there's another voice that, ha- that comes in and it's called false comfort. So if I'm sat in my house and I'm agoraphobic and I'm scared to go outside, I've got a what if. What if mm-hmm. when I go outside to the shop, I have a panic, I freak out, and I embarrass myself. Now, my wise mind, my usual rational mind, will be saying, well, it's okay, it's exposure, the amygdala's doing this push through, rewire your brain, overcome it, blah, 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 what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. But the voice that makes us stop is something is the false comfort. So it says, we'll stay inside then. It's a false gotcha, comfort. Right. Yeah. I, when I used to go to the cinema, I used to sit near the door because I knew I needed to, wanted to go to the cinema. But false comfort say, it would say, sit near the door just in case you freak out and you can run out. Yeah. When I used to sit in a classroom, I used to have an open window. For some reason, that gave me false comfort that I would do all right. False mm-hmm. comforts, there's mm-hmm. hundreds of them. Uh, false comfort is, I know lots of anxious people that take a bag of goodies with them everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. as long as they have this bag of goodies mm-hmm. with water and little trinkets and things, uh, rescue remedy mm-hmm. and stuff, then I won't be anxious. And all mm-hmm. of this is blocking good exposure therapy because if you go to the shops with a bag of trinkets and whatnot what gets all the praise the Mm. safety bag you know i work with people who are codependent people believe they can't go to places on their own so their false comfort is other people that's when you meet people and they follow other people around because they don't believe that they can function autonomously because they feel vulnerable that becomes a false comfort does that make sense Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's putting a name to something that I've experienced a lot. False comfort 
is food. False comfort is YouTube videos. False comfort is my phone. False comfort is so many things that like, mm. yeah, that, or, or you're right, that stuff that gets the credit. I really like the way that you said that, that stuff that gets the credit to say, um, you know, some people could even, when they're anxious and they, you know, they drink, they smoke, that that's kind of that thing of like, oh yeah, I did okay that time because I had that. I mean, that's kind of a whole other category and it's taking it down mm. a whole other direction. But when you're giving credit to something that like helped you relax or helped you in that situation, you're not saying, I was the one that did that. That was that was me. Exactly. I overcame that anxiety. I exactly. did that Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Uh, and I see it all the time. The biggest false comfort I find that people have is other people. Mm. So theoretically you could challenge yourself to go somewhere that makes you nervous you go you are nervous you come home person a will say oh well i challenged the amygdala i challenged it all and look i can function i can challenge my anxious response person b would say well thank god that person was there otherwise they'd have freaked out mm. and then and i love that give credit to they'd have given credit to the false comfort and this is why people avoid people of why do you think people avoid them what what do you think the main issue is well yeah i think you're right that vulnerability has a lot a lot to do with it and vulnerability is tiring it's that's kind of the only word that i can really use to describe it because for for pushing past that situation um you know you've decided despite how anxious I'm feeling and the fact that I don't want to go and see people right now I'm going to tell myself to go to that party for just like an hour just so that I get out of the house just because you know I'll I'll, I'll do it mm. and when you push yourself through exposure I think that well I'll ask you do you think that it's fair to say that after that period it's useful to have some time afterwards to process and reflect on the situation and and maybe that's the moment where you're taking pride in what you've done like that you've taken pride in okay i did that exposure but it kind of takes some time to process as well after the fact definitely yeah yeah and, and that that's 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 a compassionate mind isn't it to take a moment mm -hmm. to be compassionate to analyze things compassionately mm -hmm. like okay maybe i didn't do that like my friends did it but for me that was pretty good and from yeah. where i was a month ago that's really good mm -hmm. you know because and that depends and again that's a whole other subject that we can talk about but it's mm -hmm. that kind of how what's your perspective of it so i get clients that will do really well be really brave and they'll go to a party for an hour mm -hmm. for, with social anxiety and then they'll come home and go what if i said to this this person did i offend that someone what if people think i'm boring i did that blah 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 what if i did this all my friends can stay there for hours and i can't i can only stay there for an hour. what that's not compassionate reflection that's just mm -hmm. having a go at yourself. So that's a useless, you, mm -hmm. you know, useless part of your time. Mm -hmm. But if you, I think you're absolutely right. It's very important to go, actually, my aim here was to challenge the amygdala. I did it and I came home. Was mm -hmm. it me or was it the false comforts? So if you're at that party and you're looking at that clock, I can go home in an mm -hmm. hour, I can go home in an hour. What gets the praise for turning off that anxious response? Was it the fact that you stood there and took it on and took on the amygdala and the fight or flight? Or was it the fact that you white knuckled your way through it mm -hmm. until 
the hour and you were counting down, counting down. And mm -hmm. so the praise goes to the fact that you left, not because me, you were there. Yeah. 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 Because to me, like the, the white knuckling is um, you're distracting yourself from feeling vulnerable, from changing, from acknowledging that you're changing by just focusing so hard on kind of getting through it. Um, mm. And yeah, as you're saying, I think that was the other thing that popped into my mind of just like that avoidance to me is a lot about changing. It's a lot about, I don't know, I'm going to do something that may or may not change me as a person. It may or may not change my perspective, may or may not change um, my habits. Mm. Um, it's gonna, it might crack something open that I don't know if I'm ready to crack open yet to process. You know, this could lead to asking myself a whole bunch of other questions about myself, my personality. Um, and so that's why I asked the question about, you know, processing time. Is it important to have that time to, um, to reflect on the whole thing afterwards? Because we're, we sort of need to reconfigure our personality a little bit sometimes after those situations mm. like say let's let's go uh to the former you know the person who wasn't white knuckling through it you actually you know you go there for an hour you come home and you're actually able to process compassionately or you're you're doing your best to process compassionately that yeah okay that's that wasn't so hard. That's all that needed to happen. Oh, I actually told a couple jokes. I was able to... Yes. Yeah, I was able to meet... I met a couple new people. Um, but there's still a change that's happened there. Mm. And that person has to acknowledge that... I think it's almost... It's kind of that the panic about panic. It's, a, it's that fear of, okay, now that I've done this once, I have to do it again. Sort mm. of the other mentality. Like, okay, well... It took me so much effort to bring myself out that time. I can only hope that I can muster yeah. that effort the next a time. Absolutely, it's, it's it's how you're perceiving it. It's it's um, if you saw it as a white knuckle ride, then you you've got nothing to build on the next time. Um, mm. In the most extreme cases, I say extreme. There's no, but in in with panic disorder, which is panic attacks, and people are being afraid of mm -hmm. being having panic. Mm -hmm. Well, I say, well, then mm -hmm. go and panic. See what happens. You know, go panic about something. Go and put yourself What's in What's typically the response when... when Terror. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I know I've, I've had loads of panic. It's one of the, honestly one of the worst things you can feel. But I think one of the... Why it feels so bad for people is that, one, they feel like it's something that is, is debilitating when it isn't. You can still function when panicking. Um, and also people get kind of caught in the chatter, it says. So people are afraid to go to, so, so let's say it's social anxiety and they're afraid of mm -hmm. having a panic somewhere, like in town or at a party. Mm -hmm. and, and so what they're afraid of is how they'll feel, going back to, to what you were talking about, how will I feel there? What if I panic? Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. I panic, will it stop? Will I lose control? And what will people think of me? 
In reality, when people do it, they go there, they feel a bit scared. I give them a few false comforts, particularly with panic disorder. Like, you're allowed a couple, go on, allow, you're allowed a few. because mm-hmm. And we'll take it as graded exposure, so just do a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the ladder again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and then once they realise, actually, when they're panicking, but they're not coming across as well they think they are, that can be really empowering. They were like, oh, I'm a 10 out of 10, I'm panicking. I was like, okay. Well, if this is a 10 out of 10, it's the worst it gets. And they're like, yeah, my brain is telling me I'm about to drop dead or faint or throw up in front of everyone. I wanted the urge to run away and get out, the fight or flight. And I said, well, what happened when you stayed there? And they went, it passed. It passes mm. slowly. And I found when people stop avoiding, they're so shocked at what happens, how the, uh, their own ability to cope. They're so shocked mm. when the amygdala tell, stops telling the fight or flight response to kick off. They're so shocked that suddenly mm. a place where they felt so scared, they now feel completely calm. And that is the mm. joy of kind of linking it to exposure therapy. But people, I can relate to why people would want to avoid. Because why would you want to willingly go out and make yourself feel vulnerable? And part of my job mm-hmm. is to convince clients actually, no, the end result is better and your world opens mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like that. this, you don't know what's on the other side. I'm trying to convince you what is on the other side of this is, it's also, I, I, I have a question about thresholds, you know, as well, because. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a corporate me. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> I've got a question about thresholds. Uh, could you give me the statistics on thresholds as well, please? <laughs> I want to know exactly what is the rating of anxiety I have to feel before I go out and do exposure therapy. Um, so, threshold as in, you know, like, you can only avoid for so long is kind of what I want to talk about, is that avoidance hits this threshold where that voice that just starts nudging you, okay, so... Uh, Mm -hmm. selfishly going back to like okay it's my essay example you know I can avoid it I can avoid it I can avoid it but the more I avoid it the louder that voice that was starting up as a nudge just saying like hey maybe it's time to close down YouTube and start (laughs) planning out your essay yeah oh but I'm thinking about it I'm thinking about it okay maybe it's time to and then that quickly becomes Ella 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 (laughs) it just gets the more you're avoiding something you know you, the the faster that yeah. it's chasing you to, to to have you realize that you can't avoid this any longer yeah um I've... is it is it better to try to like with clients and with yourself um with oneself that you're you're sort of saying like if you avoid this is this is only going to get louder so you might as well try like well it gets lo- the rungs of exposure it gets louder but actually people are better at avoidance than that some people won't do their exams some people mm. will leave work and i would and mm. i know perhaps there'll be some clients of mine who will listen to this podcast and go yeah actually i, I lost my job because mm. i felt so scared mm. to feel vulnerable uh whereas some mm-hmm. people are like okay I, I understand like the people like you that you're scared and that's what people argue that's what procrastination is it's a fear behavior um mm. but yeah, and some people actually like that. Some people like it when the voice gets loud. So it does kick them into gear. Like, no, I have to do this now. 
I need to do this mm. now. I don't mind doing it. You know, uh, I speak to a lot mm-hmm. of people with flying anxiety and they're like, it's horrible, but actually I need to go on this flight because I don't want to ruin this holiday for myself. So and then they end up getting on the flight and con- conducting some level of exposure therapy, whether it's white knuckling mm-hmm. through it or, or just, ah, screw it, let's get on. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right, it will get louder, but I found that over time, not only is it loud, but if, you, if you're like an agoraphobic or someone who's just avoided doing something for years, that voice turns to self-criticism. It mm. changes. So if mm-hmm. you're afraid to go to a party, mm-hmm. initially it'll be like, yeah, you, you don't need to go to the party. False comfort says, just, just avoid, just avoid, just avoid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then over time, our reflective brain goes, actually, you've avoided this for years. You can't do what other people can do. You can't do all this oh, thing. Yeah. Uh, and then it turns into, and then that's when we get sapped into depression. There's a huge comor- mm-hmm. comorbidity with anxiety and depression, although I will always argue that they begin separately, mm-hmm. um, in most cases anyway. Um, this is an example of how anxiety and avoidance leads to depression. You withdraw mm-hmm. from the world, you don't engage with it, you start to analyze what it means about you, and if you don't mm-hmm. believe that you're a worthy person who fits into this world, you start what mm-hmm. a cycle or... Aaron Beck's cognitive triangle for any people that have done kind of CBT uh, and the loop goes around avoidance, self-criticism reflective depressive analysis and goes around and around and around um, and yeah things get harder you right. know until you work yeah. with people like me like come on let's do this mm-hmm. yeah that there, there's some rewiring that's involved at a certain stage but that makes absolute sense that um, that that is what people sometimes fear, I suppose, is that, okay, I'm going to put myself in this situation, I'm going to be vulnerable, and, like, you know, now, whenever I'm, we can all relate to that to an extent, if you're not um, someone who has panic disorder, like, as I say, I don't experience panic attacks anymore, but there's always things in life that, uh, that you avoid because they're scary, you avoid because they're they're giving you an anxious response and Mm. when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and have that time to reflect you also have to have faith that with that time that you have to reflect you're going to be in the right headspace Mm. quote-unquote headspace or that you're going to treat it positively and it can be so just on the edge like and i had to i have to bring this up because it's the it's totally uh just like a couple weeks back and it was just so point i was like this is going to come from the podcast at some point that um yeah i had like such an amazing catch-up with a friend back here in calgary that i hadn't seen in at least four years probably six years um we met up we were having drinks we had this amazing catch-up like real heart to heart just awesome um and then as i was leaving as we were leaving um i slipped on the ice and I kind of fell out of a combination of probably like one too many IPAs and also not wearing snowshoes in Canada. I was mm. silly coming back from the UK thinking that I was all smart and knew what I was doing, but I was wearing runners and not snowshoes. They're just toast so rackets on, on the, the feet, ice. aren't they? <laughs> exactly. No, just even, I just didn't have good grips. I was wearing skateboard shoes instead of just wearing 
classic mistake. It's like not having winter tires and you're slipping around the ice. Um, but I just had to kind of laugh at myself the next day and thank God I was able to laugh at myself because I caught myself in this cycle of, um, having had this amazing catch up, like such a good day. And the next morning, cause I was hungover and I wasn't in the right headspace. <laughs> all I could think about was, Oh God, that was so embarrassing when I fell. Oh man. Oh geez. Like that's all that I could think of and focus Negative on was just the fact I that, like I, that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we've talked about this before about like, you know, you can't, you can't take yourself too. If, if you're hungover, just put yourself in front of a movie or get distracted. Like don't take anything too seriously in that moment because your body has an effect on that whole response yeah. you know so i'm 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 glad that at <laughs> some point i was able to go like ella you realize you're just focusing on the one negative thing that happened out of like three hours of a beautiful chat beautiful connection and all that you can think about is falling on the ice like come on like yeah. just grow out of that it's yeah. gonna be fine yeah. um so yeah <laughs> but it's funny that yeah that like so there you know if i had been in a any more nervous to be meeting up with that person if I wasn't quite in the right headspace like that could have been really sad that like I wouldn't have even been able to reflect positively on that whole day because all that I was thinking about was just that one aspect that went wrong yeah um, and I think that's what people fear after like a party situation is like even if I take myself through this I'm opening myself up to my own self-criticism and when you link that yeah. depression and anxiety it's just like that can be so real for some people they finally push themselves through anxiety but um, if you don't put the right support in place you know uh mm. if you it could be useful then to have someone that mm. knows that it was a big deal for you that you went to that party and can help you talk about it after as opposed to just reflecting on it yourself. and also and if you have that fear of humiliation how might that change your behavior you might then suddenly Ooh. feel like you couldn't go out without snowshoes. You might feel you might avoid going on the ice together. You might avoid that friend for via mm. association from that fear of humiliation. And thus mm. the amygdala's mm. going, Yeah, I've got stuff, I've got ammunition, yeah, let's do this. Mm. Um, and I think, that. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. I think we should talk about avoidance more in the future. There's loads we can look at it. I think let's not turn any listeners' brains to soup. I mean, we might have already. I don't know through boredom. I don't know. Although we've actually had some really good feedback um, from people, which I'm delighted with, uh, which gives mm -hmm. us confidence to go and make these episodes. So I thank you for people mm -hmm. um, at home or wherever they are for doing that. Um, but yeah, just in summary, I think avoidance um, is what is basically your way of telling the amygdala thanks for looking after me but actually mm -hmm. if you use your rational brain you don't need looking after to leave the house you don't need looking after to go to a social event you don't need looking after to do things that you can do go to work public speaking doing all these things and every time you avoid you thank the amygdala for that uh remember the mm -hmm. concept of false comfort mm -hmm. it's comforting initially but it's not in the long run is it Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I don't really want to don't go to that event. You know, um, well, actually, no, it's, it's it's more comforting to, to not go. So you feel that initial relief, but the next day you might end up criticizing yourself because you don't, you don't really feel good about doing it. Mm -hmm. And kind of that's what kind of look at the importance of avoidance and the benefits of going towards what your amygdala is trying to tell you to avoid is so important. Don't do it, don't do it, there's danger. Mm -hmm. No, there's not, shut up, I'm not avoiding anymore. 
kick through the door, sunglasses on, chewing tobacco. I don't know what my br- <laughs> my brain goes to some crazy places. Stupid. But yeah. Uh, but everybody should have their own version of that visual, whether it's like the sunglasses and kicking down the door or, you know, for me talking to my friend yesterday, I just started giving middle fingers to the air. Like that's sort of my response of like, hey, you can't stop me. I'm crazy. I'm going to do whatever I want. Everybody should have some manifestation of that. Like I'm going to power through this amygdala. I'm going to get through it. If that's sunglasses, if that's your powerful, majestic unicorn, like yeah. whatever it is that's actually getting you through that, I think everybody should have their own version of like a, a Patronus for anxiety of pushing through. Patronus. What would your Patronus be? I once told someone I didn't like that their Patronus would be a maggot. So when they shouted expecto Patronum, it would just crawl out the end of their wand and fall <laughs> to the floor and wither away. Uh, my Patronus would be an otter because I like otters. Oh, oh, that's yeah. sweet. Well, yeah. my anxiety Patronus is—I think it's like a, a monkey or something that's just like, Haha, I'm gonna do whatever I want. You can't oh, stop this. Like a little cheeky oh. monkey. I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. a giant ape that just crawls at the end of the wall. Yeah, just a little cheeky one. No, I like that. Kind of like running around the room and throwing things. That's what. <laughs> that's what my style. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Well. Oh, I can't wait to catch up with you next time, Ella. Thank you for sharing uh, the microphone with me and, and sharing your. Thank you for sharing your personal stuff as well. It's it's interesting what happens that dynamic when you just focus on one thing. And I, I've found out stuff about you that I did not know before. Well, there you go. Uh, I I'm getting through my fear of Microsoft Word. It's getting better every time that I open it up. So I really wish I had a pun. I wish I had a pun. Well, maybe you could. You're like my little paperclip, Josh. Well, maybe you can control. You're like me through it. The fear, alt, it, and delete the association. <laughs> Shut up! Right, I'm leaving that there. Right. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you next time. Thank Bye. you.